Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Kyle Rittenhouse uh, is 18 years of age. He uh, killed two people, wounded another in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year, last summer, and uh, unrest in that city. And he's on trial for homicide, five felonies. He testified uh, in his own defense earlier in the week and became extremely emotional. And the case uh, really relates to his actions uh, after the protests uh, to uh, the police shooting of Jacob Blake. You may recall that story in August of last year. And uh, reports are that uh, the case will test the distinction between self-defense and what amounts to vigilante killing. Professor Jane Kirtley joins us on The Roy Green Show, Silha Professor of Media Ethics and Law. She's the director of the Silha Center for the Study of Media Ethics and the Law at the University of Minnesota, and she's very good to us with her time. Jane, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time. What strikes you about this this trial of Kyle Rittenhouse? Well, I think, uh, you know, you've put your finger on what is the essential question here, which is what constitutes self-defense. And as your listeners probably know, we have another case going on uh, in another state right now um, involving the so-called vigilantes who um, shot and killed Arnold Arbery. So in a very real way, I think these two cases are becoming symbolic of, of this central question, which is, what degree of protection do people enjoy uh, when they claim that they were uh, shooting others in self-defense? So the uh, the Rittenhouse uh, case, I'll ask you to put on your, your lawyer's hat. Um, what is the defense suggesting um, is his, his argument? What's his argument? Well, essentially his argument is that um, he went to Kenosha from his home in Illinois for the purposes of protecting uh, businesses and others uh, in Kenosha during the riots that you mentioned. Um, he wasn't asked to do that, but uh, he did go, and he has testified that he had gauze and other medical equipment and that his intention really was to provide protection and aid. Um, but, uh, you know, regardless of what that intention was, what happened was that he ended up as you said, killing two people, wounding a third, and shooting at and missing another individual. And uh, so he's, he's got quite an array of, of potential offenses here, including uh, at the very kind of bottom of the list, uh, a misdemeanor charge of illegally possessing the gun, which he had no legal right to have in Wisconsin. So there's a whole panoply of charges here. Um, Illinois, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin um, refers uh, first-degree intentional homicide is what in most other states we would call first-degree murder, so that's the most serious charge and carries the potential of uh, life imprisonment. Uh, the other charges um, you know, would be lesser, and as in most states, you can have lesser-included offenses, so that's the maximum that he could get. Um, obviously, there are a lot f uh, lower uh, penalties that could be exacted if he's found guilty at all. He uh, had quite an emotional outburst earlier this week in the trial. Is that likely, considering he's 18 years of age, is that likely to serve him as far as a jury is concerned or, or not so much? What are your thoughts? Well, hard to predict. I, I think, you know, Wisconsin, uh, this part of Wisconsin in which he, you know, is being tried is a fairly conservative part of that state. Um, 
I, you know, personally, I think that this kind of emotional outburst is something that I find problematic to watch. I compared it when I was talking about it with some other friends to um, now Justice Brett Kavanaugh when he was going through his confirmation hearings in the Supreme Court. I, I mean, I just find it um, surprising. But there are certainly jury watchers who say that there will be people on the jury who will find that very sympathetic, whether it was a genuine emotional outburst. Because as you said, I mean, he's, he's young. He was 17 when this all happened, and he's only 18 now. Whether it was genuine or whether it was staged, I mean, I guess the jury is going to have to decide that. What happens now going forward with the remainder of, uh, of, of the trial, Jane? What do you expect? What's going to happen? What do you expect may happen well, what's going to happen is, is somewhat up in the air because on Friday the judge uh, raised the possibility of some additional charges uh, being brought, which are all lesser offenses, of course, um, and has suggested that this might raise the risk that he would be convicted of one of them but would be more likely to be convicted on a lesser charge. That's all going to be uh, resolved and is probably in the process of being resolved now before the uh, case resumes on Monday, there will be closing statements by both sides, and of course the judge will have to instruct the jury, and then they'll go into deliberations. So, you know, nobody knows how long this is going to take. Our experience here in Minnesota with the Derek Chauvin trial is that the jury, you know, doesn't necessarily take very long, but they're completely different cases, so I can't really predict how long they, they will deliberate. And one other thing, we have a pool of 18 jurors who have been attending the trial, Twelve of their names will be drawn from uh, uh, basically a pot, and those will be the people that will actually deliberate uh, on, on the case. Uh, the, the issue of self-defense, the, uh, the right to protect yourself, I thought that was fairly cut and dried in the United States, that it had been tested many times in court. Uh, is, is it still an open-ended question at times? Well, it, it is in large part because we have had a variety of new, uh, relatively new uh, statutes enacted in the last 10 15 years or so. They're also known as stand-your-ground laws, and, and they include this notion that you don't have a duty to retreat, which is what I learned in law school many years ago, that, that you know you couldn't just stand there. You had to make a good-faith effort, unless you were in your home, um, to, to try to escape rather than to actually shoot at somebody. But these new laws uh, give a lot more protection to those who engage in that kind of conduct. And, of course, it's being uh, framed as, as, frankly, a, a law and order. Uh, kind of an initiative. And that's why I think both of these cases are going to take on this really broader uh, context because uh, they really raise the central question of, of you know, how much, how much of a right does somebody have to shoot and kill someone else when perhaps they, they, they would have had an opportunity to retreat if they'd chosen to do so. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.